Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness to pray and to rest before he began his public ministry. This year during Lent, join Pastor Hook to pray and rest as we learn about our calling to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. Um, we are in episode 29 of our series, Life-Changing Connection. This ties in with our vision, which is to be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world, and our mission, which is to make loving disciples. And we are in a time of Lent, which is a time of relaxation, rest, prayer, uh, focusing on this incredible thing that Jesus did for us, which is to uh, take upon the mantle of humanity so that he could die for us and save us from our sins and show us how to live a life for him. Um, it's this just wonderful reflective time called Lent, which I just love. We're, um, and so during this time, we are looking at um, various Bible verses to rest and reflect about our own congregation so that coming out of Lent, we can launch forward into uh, our community with the way God has called us. So that's, that is, um, that's the whole purpose of this study. We're in episode 29, and today I want to, uh, uh, we're going to spend today and tomorrow, maybe we'll finish today, just talking one more thing about leadership in the church. And um, I want to point out to you one thing that we've said earlier, and this is Paul's classification of leadership. In Ephesians 4.11, he says, he's called some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some shepherds, some teachers, so that we may be fully equipped to do the work of God. Basically, it's, it's kind of what he's talking about. And uh, we already spent some time talking about how some of us are called to be, I wouldn't say called, a gifted is probably the better word, that we're gifted in certain areas. <clears throat> that some of us are really good at apostleship, some good at prophetship, some good at evangelism, some are great shepherds, some are great teachers, and each one of us are given gifts in this area. Now, if you're going to be doing things for, uh, like, like Jesus did, where he called together a group of disciples, he was gifted in all of these things. Um, but most of us aren't gifted in all of these things. And so we need to assemble together as a church and leverage each other's gifts so we can use each other's gifts to be more effective for the kingdom. All right. So we've talked about that before. We actually spent probably about a week on that. But there's another aspect of a church besides just the gifting of the church. And that is um, just another... Uh, another position that I want to talk about in the Greek language. And that position is called episcopus. Or some of you may have heard episcopal church. Or some of you may have heard of episcopal form of government. Episcopal uh, comes from the Greek word episcopus. And an episcopus is a person who... Uh, well, let's let's just look at the Greek on that. Um it comes from two Greek words. Here, I'll even just put up on the screen. Uh, two Greek words, epi, which means on, upon, at, by, near, over the top of, over, on top of, toward, against, among. That was, that's epi. Epi is one of these catch-all Greek uh, words that it's added on to something. Like epidermis means on top of your dermis, right? So it's the outer layer. Um, 
Epi, epi means uh, EpiPen, right? Uh, EpiPen means it, it's a pen that goes in your body, on, right? Um, it's so, it's, uh, it's one of those words that's a catch-all words. It means just everything. But the scopus is, uh, you know, you've heard of the word scopus before um, because it's where we get the word scope from, kind of. Uh, scopus is an observer or a watchman, right? So a scopus is a person who looks at things. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a position who looks intently, gazes intently on, uh, on things. And epi, when it's put in front of words like this, reinforces that it's kind of like a, a reinforcement word. So a, if an if a observer is someone who observes, an epi observer is somebody who really, really observes, like intently observes. Uh, so if a watchman is a scopus is a watchman, an episcopus is a watchman who really intently watches. Um, so scopus, like telescope, is somebody who intently looks at scar, at scar, at stars, right? Um, microscope is somebody who looks at you know little microorganisms uh, intently. So uh, epis, uh, episcopus, basically, or episcopus, is somebody who intently looks at the operation of something, okay? Um, so in Greek, this episcopus was basically a military general. It was somebody who uh, was in the leadership command of the Roman government or Ro Roman military, which pretty much the same thing. And um, it was a person who inspected the troops, gave, direct gave overall direction to the troops, um, it was somebody who uh, kind of set the course and then may have involved other people in getting that course done, but basically they were the person in charge. They were the, they were the military general was, you know, in the leadership of, the, of that. Uh, but Paul takes this word and he moves it into a different area in, in the lexicon of the church. Paul sees the, the episcopus, it's called an overseer. Sometimes you'll see that in scripture. Uh, sometimes you'll see it as a bishop, uh, but it's le it's a leader uh, in a local church. Uh, it's an extension of one who guards. It's one who supervises. It's one who helps. Uh, I think today we could say in the local church, like the in a local church, you would have an episcopus, um, which would be like the pastor or me, like the office of public ministry is what I'm called to. Like I'm the overall leader, the episcopus, but then I. Uh, would then take other people and elevate them into leadership positions called episcopus and give them uh, tasks or areas of influence or areas to work on. Uh, some, some of it's called lanes, right? Uh, what's your lane to make sure you stay in your lane and you don't get out of your lane? Um, this, is, this is an episcopus. And so another, another way for talking about episcopus uh, is would be a leader, a leader in a church. Um, in, uh, in some translations, it's also called a bishop. An episcopus is a bishop, an overseer, a bishop. Um, so in, uh, in, in some church denominations, like Roman Catholic, you have a bishop. A bishop is in charge of a diocese, right? Like he's the overall leader of that diocese. And then, you know, there's people above him like the Pope, who is also a bishop. Um, in, uh, in other church denominations, a bishop is typically somebody who oversees a number of congregations. 
And so in the uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we have a person who's in charge of several congregations. That person is called the the district president. That's what we call them. (laughs) Um, But many district presidents call themselves the bishop of their district because that really is a better biblical term um, for that position, although it's not entirely the same thing because uh, as a district president in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, you give guidance and direction to local congregations, but every local congregation, at least in Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, uh, a local congregation is its ultimate authority. So uh, they they can provide guidance, direction, you know, assemble resources to make our life better and that sort of thing, but they do not tell us what to do. Although in many, many uh, denominations, the bishop does tell you what to do. Like in the Roman Catholic Church, the, what the bishop says goes. And uh, in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, um, what the bishop says is a suggestion. <laughs> it's not, you don't have to follow it. Um, the ultimate leader in the congregation, ultimately in, in Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is the congregation itself. They are kind of self-led. And they, they pick up their values and you know what they want to do, and then they call a pastor to say, this is what we want to do, and this is where you, we want you to lead us. You know, this is the guidelines. And then the pastor you know, uh, is a leader in a congregation and guides the congregation in that direction. And the reason why I bring all this up is because um, at some level then, a bishop or a leader, and I, I'm going to use the word leader because I think leader is just a better word for today's uh, language. Um, a leader in a church is somebody who actually does something, looks, you know, looks at a problem and says, okay, this is the problem that we're going to try to solve. Uh, we want to, uh, uh, we want to educate people in our community with this, you know, to, to learn more about Jesus. I mean, I don't know. That's probably not a very good one, but we want to do a particular event. Let's say that. We want to do a particular event. Well, if you're going to do a particular event, you need one person in charge of that event, right? That would be the leader of that event. But that person, if they're a good leader, does not do all the work themselves. As a matter of fact, they can't because the larger the event gets, the more that person can't lead the event. The more the person has to enlist other people to help. And in order to do that, the leader then must go out and find people that might do various things. Matter of fact, he might go out and find somebody with uh, apostleship skills or prophetic skills or evangelism skills, teacher skills, pastoral skills, or whatever, and assemble that in a team or assemble that in such a way that it gets the task done, the scope of the task done, right? Um, That's what a leader is. And so, and the reason why I bring all this up is because uh, if a church is not doing anything new, and that's okay. I mean, at some level, all churches do things new, but there are some churches that are just very, very much, they don't like to do new things, they don't feel called to do new things, so they're not gonna do new things. But if a church is gonna do something new, then at some level, you need leadership in that church that says, okay, this is what we're gonna do, this is the team we're pulling together, and we're gonna move towards this goal of getting this thing done, and that is a leader. In my opinion, and moving into the 21st century, uh, a church will need to elevate more and more leadership 
because the world around us will not be content with doing things that we did 5, 10, 50, 100 years ago. We need leadership to move us into the 21st century, which requires looking at new things and doing new things. I mean, just take a look at this whole coronavirus thing. Like I am sitting here talking to you about leadership through a technology that I wasn't using five years ago. So that's just something new, right? So, and, and this new technology is a great technology. And how can we use this technology to further our goal, which is to make loving disciples so that we might be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world. And that requires at some level leadership. It requires somebody to say, okay, here's the new technology. Um, how are we going to use it? How are we going to assemble teams? What are we going to do so that we can be more effective at what we're doing? And that's just one thing. That's just that's just this technology that we're you know called Facebook Live, right? But there are thousands of other things out there that are new, that are uh, that young people particularly are using in their daily life to help make their life better, and they kind of expect that the church at some level will come up with things that are going to help them grow in their discipleship, in their faith, that are just new and different that the church has never done before. And that requires leadership. It requires somebody who is not a military general, but somebody who's been placed in a leadership position to say, okay, we're going to put you in charge of this particular task, and we would like you to assemble the team and move forward and all that. Now, in the past, uh, leadership, well, and every community has leadership, and everybody has leadership styles that they're comfortable with. Um, right now in the United States, we are a democratic leadership. A democratic leadership means that we vote, <laughs> and whoever gets 50.111%, right, 50.1% of the vote, they get to do what they, you know, what's so right now we have a new administration in Washington. They're doing all the things that they want to do because they got more than 50% of the vote. The problem with that, and we, of course we're seeing it in our government right now, is that there's 49.9% of the people who are not in favor of that particular agenda. And so you get all this conflict in Washington. And Washington should be a place where you can get you know, consensus, where you, sh where you can say, okay, what are our mutual goals and how can we move forward? Um, because while Democratic... Uh, while 50.1% is a way to move forward, not get stagnated, it does take, you know, it does leave people in the dust. In uh, African and other cultures, but I know it's true in, in historic African cultures, uh, they had a consensus model. So instead of it being 50%, it was, we want the vast majority of people, like 9 out of 10, to agree on something, and then we'll move forward with it. And oftentimes getting to that, would take years because there was somebody who was very, very much against it, you know, very much against that change. And they would say, no, we're not going to do that. No, we're going to do that. And you had to wait until that person was on their deathbed or sick or died or whatever before you could say, okay, now we can move forward on that thing. Um, that's called the consensus model. But there's a different model, and that's called the leadership model. And this is a model that is very, uh, very good and in a, in a leadership model, in the church role, a leadership model is where we take somebody, where the church takes somebody and says, okay, we're going to put you in charge of this particular area. And we'll give you all the freedom, you know, to assemble, to, you know, you can, 
you can use the democratic model in your team where you could say, okay, we want you to, you know, move forward and, and move, you know, however you feel, or you can be a leadership model. And the leadership model is a good leader will be somebody that kind of says, here's the idea, listens to all the objections or, you know, not, I shouldn't say objections, Li you know, throws out an idea and then listens to people's response to that idea. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And leaders like, I hadn't thought about that. So let's modify this path to this. And then another person said, have you thought about this? And he goes, I have thought about this, but I think we're okay on that. You know, a leader is one who eventually then, almost like a military general, like a bishop, like an episcopus, says, okay, this is the direction we're going. And then encourages people and moves people in that direction and, um, you know, helps people get excited about that direction because they know it's the right direction. Now, if a person is in that position, I believe that that person should also be very, very connected to God, that they know God's word, um, that they spend time with God in prayer, Bible study, devotion, for me, uh, solitude, uh, just you know, walks with God or whatever. But that at some level, leadership is tough. And uh, one of the ways to get through tough leadership is to be well connected with the creator of the universe, okay? That's, that's one way. So, um, so a leader then would assemble all these people together to move forward to a direction. So in a church, and I think in a church, a 21st century, um, well, let me, let me back up. In, in a lot of large congregations, the way that they move forward is that they'll take broad areas and they'll say, okay, we're going to hire a staff person for this broad area. And then we're going to hire a staff person for this broad area. And then a hire staff person for this broad area. One of the ways that that falls down, though, is that the people that are hired into those positions end up doing the work. Um, because it's just easier to do the work than it is to groom people to do the work or to groom leadership. And I don't think that's fair to the church. Because at some level, the church is a great incubator for developing leaders. It's like the greatest incubator for developing leaders. In the world, you are not a leader unless you have uh, power, influence, education, um, vast experience. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the things that, you, you know, that we, that we call leaders, you, you know, leaders. Um, and it is why, you know, why parents will spend a lot of money to send their kid to a, a premier college because they know that if they got that college degree after their name from Harvard or from Yale, that it'll open up a lot of doors for them. Or if you go, if you went to West Point, like if you go to West Point, you, you will never be, um, there is just this, um, sense in the West, you know, in America that if you go to West Point, you are a great leader, you know, you're on all this stuff. Well, when you come out of West Point, you're probably not a great leader. Maybe 10 years or 20 years out of West Point, you might be a great leader because then you've been thrown into leadership positions and you've, and you've done leadership. But in a church, we don't have to do that. We don't have to say, you need a pedigree to be a leader. <clears throat> in the church, um, you know, the church is the most, uh, there's a word called egalitarian and egalitarian means that, uh, everybody's on a level, equal playing field and the church is very egalitarian. We can be egalitarian because we can rise up leadership without a pedigree. 
I mean, look at the leadership that Jesus rose up. He rose up 12 disciples. They were fishermen, and he turned them into fantastic leaders. Um, And the church can do that too. Now, we saw this. We looked at this in Exodus 18 where uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro told him, Moses, if you keep doing this, you're going to destroy yourself, so you need to create leadership in your church. And Moses did that. Um, And... uh, um, Paul talks about leadership. Like, what is what are the qualifications to be a leader in a, in a church? Well, Paul talks to Timothy. Timothy's a very young leader. And people are questioning his leadership ability because he's so young. Uh, and Paul says to him in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So, What Paul says, and Paul does this all the time, is it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. What matters is, is how are you connected to the creator of the universe? That that leadership, according to Paul, wasn't necessarily um, your pedigree, but the fact that you uh, you were connected to God, basically. And I've got a bunch of verses here. We'll just go through them real quick. Um, This is... uh, Uh, This is Acts 20, 28, where uh, Luke writes, Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has placed you overseers, which is that episcopus, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with the blood of his own son. So uh, obviously somebody who's in charge of a flock would be an overseer. Philippians 1, 1, from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, along with the overseers and deacons. So Paul had set up this church in Philippi and he'd placed overseers or leaders and he'd placed deacons who are, you know, uh, underneath, the, underneath the overseers or doing particular parts of the ministry. 1 Timothy 3, 2. Therefore, it is necessary for an overseer to be above reproach, a man of one woman, clear-minded, self-controlled, dignified, hospitable, skilled in teaching. So that this is a great definition of what it means to be a leader in the Christian church, which is that you have to be above reproach, right? That people have to say, yeah, this is an honest guy, right? Uh, and Paul said that, you, you know, you can't be a man with many wives. You have to have just one wife that you've taken, you know, that you are in control of your household, you're in control of your life, you're in control of your finances. I mean, basically just a person who really... Uh, has done well, clear-minded, self-controlled, dignified, hospitable, skilled in teaching. And uh, and then there's one more verse, uh, Titus 1.7. For it is necessary for an overseer to be above reproach as a steward of God, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain. So <clears throat> in the church, unlike the world, leaders can leaders can be developed and grown by simply people who have the humility, the love, the desire to lead in a particular area. And I believe that as a church, we should be developing leaders. If I could say one thing that I'd like to um, have Christ Lutheran Vale do in the future is place more emphasis on developing leadership. And if we're going to do that, uh, then it's basically taking people where they are and first and foremost, growing their faith in their relationship with God, like getting that down first. 
so that they understand how God's called them and, and who they are and, um, and basically make sure that they're on a path of discipleship where, where they, they love God, uh, they, they're you know, involved in other people in a small group perhaps or whatever, and then that they're serving the world. Like they've got that down. But then from there, um, that the church says, okay, I think you are ready for the next step of leadership and we'd like to put you in charge of a particular area. Now in the world, you can't get in charge of something unless you have a pedigree. But in the church, your pedigree is basically you're in the kingdom and and you are, we're going to grow you in your leadership. And then from there, we take that leadership or we hope that people take that leadership and then go out into the workplace, into the school, into their families or whatever and lead there because leadership does not stop at the gate of the church or at the door of the church. It it goes from the church where we learn and we encourage and we grow people as leaders to go out into the world and to lead in the world. And that truly is, if, if I could say, you know, one thing that I think would help us to make loving disciples so that we may be a life-changing connection to Christ in our world would be that one thing, which is to grow and develop leadership. Now, leadership is hard, and we're going to get in this tomorrow uh, because we're all created differently. And since we are created differently, we lead with our strengths, and some people's strengths are different than other people's strengths. And if I'm looking at somebody else leading and my strength is X and I see that they are not leading in X, I say in my head, they're not leading well. But they may be very, very well leading. They're just leading with Y because their strengths are in a different area. And we're going to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, I'm trying to set up for tomorrow is that that there are many, many things that we could do as a church to help people identify where's their strengths and where's their weaknesses, and how can we leverage their strengths to help other people grow in those areas, but how can we also identify areas where they're not as strong and help them grow in that area? Because as a leader, you have to be well-rounded to be able to grow in several different areas, uh, to be able to dance in different areas, and that's truly where, where I think the church in the 21st century has to be involved at some level in those kind of things. So... Um, I think uh, let's close it uh, today. Um, so let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this amazing uh, mission and vision that you've given our congregation. And uh, Lord, I pray for everyone in our church that at some level they would be on a path of developing themselves as leaders. Uh, and first and foremost, that they are growing closer and closer to you to be strengthened for that leadership. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.